we do have patients' lives in our hands. And unfortunately, the pay does not reflect that whatsoever. So a lot of us are working two other jobs. Like myself, I work here and I have another job because I work here, I believe I have the most overtime in this company and I still have not enough to pay my bills. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and I'm continuing this series from Gardena in uh, Southern California, in fact, uh, south of Los Angeles. Uh, and at this time, I'm doing something that's, again, probably unique. If you listened last week, you'll know that I had management and labour in the room and round the table. Well, today I'm doing the one thing that we do at conferences, at on webinars, on other podcasts, where we talk about the folk on the truck. Well, today, guess what? We're going to talk to the folk on the truck and actually get their take on the things that are troubling us as an industry. So it's a little bit of an EMS one, one-stop town hall. And so I have a room full of people. And so I'm just going to go around the table and will you introduce yourself and which organisation are you from? And let's start with you, Alyssa. Hi, my name is Alyssa Catalan. Um, I work at Shoreline Ambulance, I'm located out of Orange, and I'm relatively a baby in the world of EMS. Um, I just started about October or so, so I'm still learning a lot. Actually, we'll have a lot to learn from you from your first impressions. Dory. Hi, my name is Dory Mozo. I work with Medic One. Um, it's located in Irwindale. I've been doing um, EMS for six, seven months. Another noob. Okay, Tyler. Hi, my name is Tyler Coombs. I work for PR and Ambulance. I've been an EMT for about three and a half months, and I'm finishing up paramedic school, um, and I'm stationed out in North Hills, California. Ryan. My name is Ryan Walters, and I'm an EMT in Orange County, and I've served in LA County as well for probably 14 years now, and I'm also the union president, uh, a local at Falk. And of course, for those who listened last week, we'll remember listening to uh, to Ryan, but uh, obviously as an EMT, you qualify, sir, to come back to the table. My name is LaSalle Jones. I'm an EMT at AmbiServe, located in Gardena, California. I've been an EMT about four and a half, five years now. My name is Damien Enriquez. Um, I work out of AmbiServe in Gardena. I've been an EMT for 13 years now. Okay, so let's just do some kind of establishing stories uh, for everybody listening. So, Dory and Alyssa, you are, as you say, you're the you're the noobs here, and so you came in, you know, during the pandemic probably. We did your EMT training, so uh, why us? Um, I came in at the tail end of it, so I actually just graduated in May from Cal State Long Beach. Um, I'm looking to go PA route, and so I needed to figure out a way to fill my hours. And so when looking through that, I thought I could either do CNA, I could do all these things, but being on an ambulance just sounded the most exciting, and like I would learn the most hands-on. Um, and I was hoping it would kind of help me narrow down what specialty I'd like to go into in the future as well. So this is kind of a, the start of a, of a long, hopefully indistinguished pathway and career in healthcare. Yes, it is. Um, just to be a PA, you need about a thousand hours of patient care. So I'm planning on being here for a little bit and just working as much as I can and absorbing as much information. Wonderful. Dory, what's your backstory? 
Um, I used to be a medical assistant years ago, um, and then I started doing uh, office jobs. I didn't really like it, so I wanted to go back to the medical field. Um, so I did choose EMT. Um, I just love working with patients, uh, patient care. So this is something that I want to do in the long run. Not sure where I want to go in the future, uh, but this is definitely a start. Okay, Tyler. Um, so I too came from a desk job. I worked in escrow, uh, which if anyone knows anything about escrow is very boring. Um, lots of paperwork. So I wanted to make a switch. Um, thought about something that would challenge me both physically and mentally. Um, so a career in EMS is kind of the first thing that came to mind. I can assure you that in EMS, the paperwork hasn't left. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. True. It's interesting, actually. So on this side of the table, we have we have our relatively uh, new EMTs, and it's great that we actually have a mix of experience. And so let's go fast forward 14 years. Uh, Ryan, reintroduce yourself for, for those this week. My name is Ryan Walters, and I am an EMT for 14 years. I started off in uh, 2008. I think I was 21 at the time. And... Really what attracted me to the field is uh, the adrenaline rush. I wanted to drive code three. I wanted to you know, drive to an emergency. I wanted to be there when the chaos was happening. Um, I gotta admit I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie at times. And I like, I like the pressure. Uh, some, some things in life, there's a lot going on and it drove me to uh, wanting to do something where I could help people but really get the adrenaline rush. And, yeah, I still love it. I still love it this to this day. Driving code three is the best thing and taking care of my patients and uh, just the overall experience. If you read this week's article that I published in EMS One on the reduction of red lights and sirens, um, we'll make an exception for you just for this podcast, Ryan. Uh, LaSalle, now you're the social media guy as well, right? Yes, I do social media. One of the social media coordinators for AmbuServe. Um, what attracted me to the job, I was doing security, I was a security supervisor. Um, there were a lot of other jobs, um, such as police officer, firefighter, and when I was talking to some of the uh, recruits, they were saying, you should get some first responder experience. And I decided to take an EMT class um, from my EMT, EMT instructor, he told me about AmbuServe, and next thing you know, I joined AmbuServe, and I've been there ever since, and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Excellent. And uh, Daniel, you've got the word FTO on your shirt, so uh, you've probably got some unique experiences as well. So I originally started in EMS as an aerospace combat medic, and so kind of was a natural transition to be an EMT afterwards. Excellent. So aerospace, is that Air Force? Or? It is, sir. Thank you. Well, thank you for your service. One of the reasons for, for, for getting together, of course, is that here in California, we are going through a campaign at the moment to increase the reimbursement level, uh, and one of the reasons, and one of the really important reasons, is in order to to lift the wage, to you know ensure that we keep the staff, as well as actually ensuring that we can continue to do business. And those things are hugely challenged at the moment for for the new guys that are here. Clearly, you're not in it for the money. What can we do to actually help you know help help you you know make a living? Um, so I feel like for me, especially because I'm so new, I I came from Target. I I was making less than I am now, believe it or not. Um, so for me personally, just this finally being in a career that I can work the long hours, I'm able to kind of meet my bills and meet my needs a little better, that I finally feel like I can breathe a little. Um, but obviously that's not taken into account. I still have student loans, I still have credit cards, all this stuff I eventually need to pay off. So for the moment, I feel a little bit of relief, but long term still looking at it, especially just making how much we do. 
it still is a struggle just to think of how all these, all of my ends are going to meet. Some of them are being met, which is good now. Let's go to the to the sort of time served end of the spectrum, and and, and uh, I have to let you guys know that uh, from the various the campaigns that we've been running, certainly for the last twelve months, we were up in Sacramento a year ago. Um, Ryan very kindly joined us. Uh, you know, again, the voice of the EMT, one of the most powerful voices, certainly in the press conference we had back in Sacramento a year ago. Um, you know, you're the EMT on the truck, Ryan, as well as obviously from the local. But you know, what's your lot? been like as that EMT trying to just cope with a family and a job and everything else um so when when I transitioned to becoming an EMT uh I I worked for a junk company I I collected junk in Orange County while while those services were were different I I started off at I think 12.50 an hour back in 2008 and then I went to to 5.80 or 5.90 an hour when I when I jumped to the ambulance business and um I can tell you right now, they're, they're the, the economy ups and downs, the financial crisis, I was lucky enough to still have a job. I'm still so grateful for that, to, to bring me through that. But, you know, when gas is $5 a gallon and I have to buy a twenty dollars to $30,000 car, you know, nowadays, to, to afford to go to work reliably, I think I bought probably $100,000 worth of vehicles. Just going through them, using them up, putting 200,000 miles on some of these vehicles and then breaking down and going to credit card debt and living with my grandparents. I didn't move out till I was in my late 20s. Um, I still don't know how my, some of my younger workers do it. They pay $2,000 a month in rent. Um, but for me personally, I mean, it's affording to go to a doctor, healthcare, car, insurance. I mean, the pressure is, is it's a lot of pressure and you gotta work a lot of hours, twice as much as I think a normal worker would need to to afford to live. And that's one of the reasons why I've amassed about 40,000 work hours. I have a 20-year career, but I've only been here like 14 years. I always used to say my medics back in Richmond got their experience in dog years, right? So one year of you know life on the street equals seven anywhere else. But of course, you know you have to work seven years to make, make the money of one year in, for some places. So it's kind of a, a, a dilemma. Um, LaSalle, you've been here for four years. I mean, what's keeping you on the job? Um, right now, just taking as much experience, getting as much experience as I, uh, I can get. Um, also, uh, just seeing our company grow. Uh, we've done numerous upgrades. As, as you walk through our station, you can see our station upgrades, our ambulances upgraded, our gurneys. Uh, also, our social media um, has been upgraded. We have a social media presence now. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in a position where I'm just like growing with the company and it feels great to grow with the company. So I think that's what's keeping me here right now. Um, just feeling like I'm a part of something and feel like I'm a part of the growth. So this is a no pressure question because the other person we haven't introduced in the room is Melissa, who's the, the, the boss. But, um, you know, the various surveys that have gone around the EMS, you know, environment in the last couple of years, obviously salary and pay is one. Job satisfaction is the other thing that's keeping people in so you sound dare I say satisfied in what you're doing and, and, and if we could bottle that and what, what would you say to other people how, how, how can the boss keep your job satisfaction high well we have one of the um, we have a great um, CEO uh, Melissa Melissa's the only CEO I've ever worked for and I've worked for numerous companies where you actually have the CEO's phone number you can actually call the CEO and tell them about an issue that you're having uh, you can t- call your CEO and tell them, make a suggestion 
Um, tell your CEO how you're feeling. Uh, she's very receptive and she responds. So uh, coming into EMS, I wasn't uh, used to that. Um, so I, the, the upgrades or what we can do to make it better, um, I think we're working on it right now. We're working on trying to make it not just better for me and the people that work at AmbuServe, but for everybody in the state of California, every EMS first responder in the state of California. Um, we've taken on this mission, she's taken on this mission to um, get the Medi-Cal reimbursement rates up and that benefits everybody. It benefits the patients, it benefits the employees that work here. You get a higher pay rate. Um, we pick up more people. Um, and I, I think through this growth and this coalition and the campaign that we're trying to get through, that's what's you know so good about working here. Um, um, speaking with that, like just because I'm so new too, um, when you're first kind of looking out there, you're looking at all the wages and like you are a little kind of baffled at first because you're like, I got all this, you know, I learned all this. I'm having this person's life in my hand and like this is all I'm going to make. So, but then you take in the, okay, I can work 48 hours a week. Okay. And then you kind of start feeling a little better about it. Um, but fortunately, like here at Shoreline, which is part of AmbuServe, we make a little more than other companies. And I've noticed that just by texting the people I went to EMT school with, you know, we'll do a little check-in. Okay, where's everyone working? And, and I've said, like, if you're comfortable sharing, like, I'm curious to know how much everyone's making. Like, and we've kind of gone through it, and I'm making the most out of the little cohort of people I've been in. And so it's sad hearing some of their wages and, like, knowing they're working four days, five days a week, and they're still making working at a less wage than at me. And I'm thankful enough to be only have to work two days a week. Again, we're covering those, those two kind of key issues. One, one is just giving everybody a living wage, and, and two is, is the job satisfaction. Damien, you're, you're, you're the FTO, you're bringing new folk into your organization. Um, what's, you know, what, what, what are you seeing as, as new people come in and what, what, are their, what are their hopes and expectations and then do you actually then have to temper that with the realities of doing what we do right now? Um, what I've noticed is that there's a big disconnect from um, pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. Um, we've lost a lot of people in the EMS field um, during the pandemic. Um, what I've noticed, what keeps the people in the pandemic is actually the environment. Um, you are, you become very close with the person you work with. You're on a rig with them for 24 hours. It gets very personal. You know everything about them. You know their family life. You know their daily routine. You start to know, like, you know, everything about them. If they're in a good mood, they're in a bad mood, you know, you know them. Um, what keeps them is, is actually that partner, um, the, the relationship that they have. Um, the pay, unfortunately, um, is not there yet. Um, we are still um, lacking in that area. Compared to the services we do, um, one of my fellow coworkers, she said that, yeah, we do have patients' lives in our hands. And unfortunately, the pay does not reflect that whatsoever. So a lot of us are working two other jobs. Like myself, I work here and I have another job because I work here. I believe I have the most overtime in this company and I still have not enough to pay my bills. So I work as a set medic where I get a lot higher pay um, to do the same job. Can I jump in there? Absolutely. Please do. So... I, I absolutely agree. No, having that relationship with your coworkers makes the day fly. I mean, seeing people you know, you recognize that you've gotten used to. Um, the, those days when you're having a tough day and you have, you know, Jones here who showed up and like, hey man, what's going on? 
and you have a history there, there's a bit of relief. You're like, no, this guy gets me. He knows what's going on. And when you develop those relationships, like Damien's saying, and you get to know people, you, you might go to their kid's birthday party. You know, it's not a transient relationship. We're, we're building relationships with our patients and with, with each other. And when we go through something, I mean, you know, you, you might have a GSW and your partner's there and you're running the scene together and you're never, you're not going to forget that. You're not going to forget what it was like in that moment. Be like, hey, Jones, go get me the AED. Go get me the bag. Go get me the trauma kit. And you're running that call and it's just, just, just you guys like in that moment. And um, the other thing I was going to add to is, is training. I, I think a lot of times when you go through EMT school, you kind of think about what it's going to be like out there in the field. What's going to be the next natural disaster? What could be the thing that, that strikes, you know, terrorist attack, uh, chemical explosion, FBI, some kind of raid that's going on? You might not know what your day is going to be like. And that training helps fulfill, I think, a part of me, at least personally, um, that say, hey, we're going to do some natural disaster training. We're going to do some uh, training for GSWs. We're going to do some kind of ICS training or so an instant command system. That, to me, makes me feel like, hey, I'm prepared for that next event, which makes me want to hold on a little tighter and be ready. Can I add something? Please do. It's, it's an open forum. Let's, uh, let's, let's keep, keep going. Just to touch on that, um, that's one of the great things about EMS, coming into work and never knowing what type of call you're going to get. Whether it's interfacility transport, 911, just never knowing, okay, what kind of call this is, what kind of call am I going to get? And sometimes you get um, really cool calls. Sometimes you get calls that are very difficult. But after the call, just knowing that you accomplished it and what it took to accomplish it is really rewarding. So I think that's um, the adrenaline rush that you get when you come into work and clock in every day. So, LaSalle, thank you for that. We're just going to take a second and have a word from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Welcome back. Uh, I am here in Gardena, which is in Southern California, South LA, and I have a room full of amazing EMTs. And as I said at the start of this, we spend a lot of time on conferences, webinars, and other events talking about these folk. Well, they're here and they're talking to you. So let's carry on the conversation. I think you were about to jump in, Tyler. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch on the job satisfaction a little bit more um, since the wage disparity is kind of a little more obvious. But as far as um, job satisfaction, I've, I've talked to quite a few EMTs from several companies, and something that constantly pops up is, what are you going to do after being an EMT? Which I feel is a weird conversation to have since EMS is a career in itself. And everyone always says the same thing. I want to do nursing, I want to do fire, or I want to become a PA or, or a doctor or some sort of higher provider. Um, so for me, I... I get disheartened hearing that we have to make that choice to move out of this career field um, because a lot of us, me for example, you know, I wanted to, to become an ALS provider so I put myself through paramedic school and I'm finishing that up 
and I would love to stay at PRN and continue to work as an ALS provider, but the pay is not the same as being an ALS provider for fire. So now I have to make that decision. Do I want to work fire and do stuff that a firefighter does, or do I want to be an EMS provider? Um, and I wish I didn't have to make that tough decision. I wish EMS providers could stay in EMS, and I wish firefighters could become fire, or people who want to do other careers could just pursue those careers and not have to make the decision of, can I support a family based off of my choice? And actually, you've just hit the nail right on the head. That's the crux of the matter that uh, certainly in ambulance organisations, we want to make sure that we have enough reimbursement, enough income. And, you know, as, as if you listened to last week's podcast, we talked about, you know, the, those two competing challenges that we have, one being government reimbursement and the other being insurance reimbursement, although we didn't touch so much on insurance reimbursement, but uh, surprise billing. But to me, the surprise is the amount of money the insurance company gives us for what we actually do for them. So those 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 are two challenges that we wish to kind of raise the bar. Um, Alyssa, you were about to jump in, I think. Yeah, I was going to touch on back to how they were talking about being prepared for any natural disaster, anything like that. Um, I don't know if you guys would agree, but sometimes I feel like when I'm working, like it's almost like a state of like meditation where you're just kind of there. You're not worrying about anything else. You're not worrying about what you're going to eat for dinner. Um, what You're just there. You're not worried about your bills, nothing. Um, when that person's life, like, you know, you're responsible for them. You're just thinking about them and your immediate next move to get them to where they need to go. And so like, that's another thing I really have found myself enjoying working as an EMT. So I do a thing on social media called on the escalator with where I start at the top of an escalator and I give you until you get to the bottom of the escalator to answer the question, right? So imagine for a second that you've got either the governor or the person that's going to make change laws and change funding for us in EMS at the top of that escalator. You've got until the bottom to pitch your request, right? What are you going to say to them? And I'm going to point this question at the pro first of all, because I know he's been on the escalator. But uh, Ryan, give us your escalator pitch. If I, if I, if I had to talk to somebody important, um, a legislator, I think that the first thing I would bring up is the chain of survival. The patients need EMS workers to survive. If we break that link, there will be tragic, unintended consequences of that. And if you care about your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your, your son, the people that you represent, you must do something. We, we have to do something. There, there isn't a lot of choice anymore other than to act immediately. The debate, I think we can beat this thing with a dead horse, is, is just it has to be done. We already know that the need is there. Excellent. So the rest of you are also waiting in ambush for our elected official on the escalator. He wants to jump in with another uh, reason why they should pay attention to uh, our plight. I'll jump in. Go on then. Um, so the thing I would say to an elected official is imagine one of your family members is having a medical emergency. Do you want the best provider there on scene with them? Do you want them to have the best equipment possible with them? Do you want them to have the greatest chance of survival? If so, that requires funding. If you want to fund, that's how you get results. You get people that care about their job because they're highly satisfied with their pay and their career. You get equipment that is useful and can provide life-saving you know, um, services. If you don't give funding, you can't provide those things, so now you're being left with second rate. Listen, listen to the power of those messages. And of course, this podcast going out across the country. Um, and by all means, please steal R&D, rip off and duplicate, snip, use these voices because the situation's the same in every state. So 
keep going, guys. I, I'm, Alyssa, you're, you're, you're coming back to the mic. Yeah, I just wanted to go back off what Tyler said, how being in EMS, you're constantly, it seems like, looking for a way out, looking a way to make more money. So that kind of correlates directly with experience. So if you're having these people that have the most experience are the ones that are leaving, you're now having the people that least experience, like helping your loved ones. And yes, I feel that I would adequately provide medical care to like anyone needed in the circumstances, but it would obviously be better to have someone with you. Like having a partner that's more experienced makes you feel confident too. Because if you don't know something in the moment, you can rely on your partner, say, hey, have you seen this? What do you think about this? But as he said, a lot of people are being pushed out of EMS just because of the wages. So I think it's it's sad to see like so many people have to like leave this field. And it might not be the best care that you could be getting from someone with more experience. And I, I want to touch on that. Um, I think we have to recognize that post-pandemic, you lost a lot of employees with experience because they asked themselves when COVID first started, I remember the first three months, people asked themselves, is it worth me risking my life for what I get paid for? That, when it, that was when it became really prevalent. Uh, now, after uh, the pandemic or post-pandemic, you have a lot of EMTs with not much experience. So you have to, I would ask the politician, I would ask, do you realize that EMS as a whole is a bubble? And it's about ready to pop. Do you want to be proactive or reactive? Do you want to get ahead of it before it bursts? Or do you want to, um, uh, after it bursts, then try to figure it out? And what we're doing right here and right now, we're trying to get ahead of it. We're trying to be proactive and we're trying to get the funding so everyone can have a livable wage. And this livable wage is nothing new. Uh, we've done it before. We raised the uh, minimum wage to $15. What we're saying is for EMS and for EMS personnel, first responders, the people that you count on to save your life, to save your family members' lives, is we want to we want to be compensated for the work that we do, the work that we love, the people that stayed here and worked so hard during the pandemic and after the pandemic. That's all we want. Excellent. And uh, EMS One and uh, the American Ambulance Association and other organizations constantly conduct every year surveys asking the, the medics and the EMTs and the guys on guys and girls on the truck what they want. If that, one of those surveys comes along, take a moment to fill it in because that's how we know what you think and that enables us to really take the temperature of our industry. But actually today, we're going one better than that because we've got real people in the room giving real voice and real opinions. And guys, thank you for that. Um, as we get near time, is there anything I've forgotten to ask or anything you guys want to tell me? Um, I just want to say that EMTs used to be a dime a dozen before. I used to find them everywhere. Now they're a lot harder to find, especially with the wages that we have now. Trying to keep the ones that we have is going to be very hard. I mean, every year you've seen, what, eggs, like seven, eight dollars for, for 12 now. Um, it's getting harder to, to keep them. So, I mean, I mean, giving us a little bit of an increase would do us a long way. What, what do you want every other EMT listening to this out there across the state and obviously across the country and, spoiler alert, across the world to hear about uh, life as, as an EMT in California? I want to stay as an EMT, um, and I want to be able to afford life as an EMT. I do have three kids, um, a husband that supports me. Um, I want them to travel. I want them to go to college, but it's very impossible right now because of the wage. So I do one day uh, want to say, yes, I want to be an EMT and not move further 
uh, or upper, become a nurse, a PA, um, and just be an EMT? Uh, I'll set a final thought. Um, like I was talking to Ryan earlier, uh, one of the things we were talking about is when you tell people in the public um, about how much we get paid, about the things we do, they're always surprised. Um, one of the things I want to say is we want the people in the public uh, not feel bad for us, but to support us. And one of the ways you can support us, we're not asking you to donate money, we're not asking you to march on Capitol Hill for us. Um, not yet. But um, <laughs> what we're asking is just share the story, share share this podcast, um, share our stories uh, with your friend, your neighbor, your family member, and maybe that person might want to. Uh, maybe that person might want to, you know, uh, volunteer time, or you know, it might spark something into the next person. Um, but we won't get that unless you share our experiences and share our struggles and share our dreams and aspirations. And one of the ways to do so is um, by just just. Telling, telling somebody, telling them about this podcast and telling them about uh, fun first responders. So I don't think I can top that. You, ladies and gentlemen out there, have heard it from them directly and uh, we can't say fairer than that. So I'd like to thank you all very much for being so candid, being so honest and uh, telling us as it is. As I say, my EMS One audience, I know will enjoy listening to you guys and also uh, we're going to ruthlessly chop this up and send it to elected officials as well so they can hear the the truth from the the horse's mouth as it were so don't forget if you're listening you can follow us on uh, apple Podcasts, soundcloud stitcher spotify podbean and on amazon music and if you're enjoying this show please take a second to rate and review us on the platform that you're listening to us on that's it all for now uh, i'd like to thank uh, our hosts here at ambuserve uh, jim and melissa who are also in the room uh, for uh, for your support in producing this uh, series of podcasts you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. Um, that's been EMS One Stop for this week. I'd like to thank all of my guests. I've been Rob Lawrence. And until next time, bye for now. <laughs>